God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book. What's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, have grace and mercy on me. Help me to glorify you today by carrying your message. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to continue this series on um, spiritual experience or spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. Uh, this is part seven. I hope uh, it's been helpful, certainly been helpful to me. And at this point, we're looking at the directions in the book and how those directions uh, relate to having a spiritual awakening. And <clears throat> we finished with step four in the last podcast and looked at that in great detail. And now we're going to proceed through and just follow the book. And I'll make some observations on <clears throat> how following the directions or the directions or the actions lead to a change in my ideas and attitudes on life. Uh, change in the way I see things, change in the way I react, and the most importantly is the change in my relationship with my Creator and how I live in peace and harmony with Him. And so, uh, in chapter into action, they talk about how when you finish uh, your uh, fourth step, you have admitted to God, to yourself, and to another human being, the exact nature of my defects. And the exact nature of my defects, I didn't realize, was the my self-centeredness, my planting my tree in my self-soil. Living a life run on self-will then triggers all my character defects. And then those defects lead me to take actions or to react in a way that's detrimental to me and others. And that's why I was in conflict with everybody and everything, not all the time, but I was always, always uneasy. And no matter how good things were, um, I had this underlying uneasiness. Uh, I think people can understand this uh, sense of things just just what I didn't understand was really fear running through my whole life fear that I wouldn't get what I thought I needed or that I wouldn't get approved or loved or uh, be found out about something and then this fear triggered all these other character defects it says that in the 12 and 12 and it says that if you uh uh, don't do this uh, fourth and fifth step that uh, you won't overcome drinking. And you s why? Because you won't be able to see the truth about your thinking and you won't see the truth about your resentments and fear and you'll have shame and guilt because you'll react out of uh, anger or fear and you'll harm yourself and others. And they say that this is a humbling experience. And humility, I was thinking about, is the essence of what's required 
because remember uh, Bill said it's simple but not easy um, it requires the destruction of self-centeredness and humility is when I is when my self-centered the more my self-centered is destroyed centeredness is destroyed the more humble I get I, I have to see my brokenness when I'm living in self I have to see how uh, without God and God's directing me that uh, my life uh, just won't work I won't have peace and contentment I won't uh, live in harmony with God and, and others and myself and he says when you do this when you do this house cleaning they say and you take your inventory it says some people only thought they lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. But they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty. This is page 73. In the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. And I think what they're getting at here is not that anybody wants to hear my life story. But until I get out and admit it to another person it still it still uh, has power over me but there's something about admitting my fear and admitting my uh, self-centeredness and admitting the uh, my resentments and how I harmed other people and took these actions that humble myself and they break you free it's very freeing when you're able to tell somebody something that you've kept inside. When you keep it inside, it has power over you. When you admit it to another human being, it loses its power. And you can admit it to God and yourself, but you may, we fool ourselves a lot. But when we admit it to another human being, it's out there. And we have to find the right person because we're not, we don't want to, we're not being judged, we're just being set free from the bondage of our thinking. And we have to learn humility and we have to learn fearlessness and honesty. Now, they, you don't want to tell anybody your life story. Joe and Charlie make the point that nobody wanted to read his 200-page life story. I was uh, eating lunch with uh, someone who used to be a chaplain in the hospital, a very nice young, very nice man, he's 82. And uh, he was telling me he was writing his life story. And I was thinking, well, who would really want to read it? But it was doing him some good. It was helping him. But the, the life story we want to we wanna admit to someone and share is our story of our self-centeredness. It's not where to, you went to high school and how many points you scored playing basketball or what degrees you had. It's the manifestations of a life run on self-will. That's what you want to admit to someone, the truth of them. Now, when we did step four, the big book separates four and five, but really, when you do step four with someone and you go through the directions in the book and you follow, you're doing step four and five together. I just finished doing resentments with a, a young man, and you know, of course, after a while, they're all the same the same things, the ego and the pride is threatened, fear, low self-esteem, ambitions, 
and what they did. It's the way you perceived that they were threatening you in some way, or they weren't following the script, or they weren't meeting your expectations. And then, as, as we did the three columns, he would, we would say the prayers. And then uh, I would say, have you forgiven them? Have you, do you see them differently? And then we would look at what was our mistakes. And it's always that we got angry or we were inconsiderate. And then, uh, or did we do some action that led to this resentment? And then were we, what are the character defects that are associated with it? And it really doesn't take long to do, but when you do that, you're going through it and trying to see each one, each, each individual or, or um, principle and to change the way you see it. And so we d I, that's the way I do it. It doesn't mean that that's the way anybody else should do it with someone. And then, of course, I can see my own all the time. I just go through the columns, say the prayers. What was my mistake? I'm, I'm judging. I'm getting angry or disturbed by somebody who's a disturbing person. I, I realize, why should I let a disturbing person disturb me? It's silly. I mean, I have to put a barrier. Now, my wife made a really good suggestion. She's pretty smart. She says, well, if you know somebody's disturbing, don't, don't be around them. And that's, that's true. But a lot of times, the disturbing people, at least I, from doing so many inventories with people, are people you have to have relationships with, ex-wives, ex-husbands, uh, family members, people at work. And you have to learn to be able to see them as they are who they are, and that they may be, quote, disturbing, but we don't have to be disturbed. And they can't help it. Some, they, they can't help be disturbing. It's just the way they are. And when you do that, you see, you, you learn, that's when you really begin to learn love and tolerance, when I can uh, take uh, someone that used to really disturb me just to, just, uh, and see them and, and not even, See them as a child of God. See them as a human being who's, who's just as spiritually ill as I am. And you know what? There may have been a lot of people who find me disturbing. And uh, I hope they forgive me. And then if I'm trying to practice God's will in my life and practice his character, then hopefully I'll be less disturbing. And so um, they talk about we lead a double life and uh, we present this, uh, this character to the world. And um, it's, it talks about being honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in the world. And so you choose the right person. Um, hopefully somebody who's done the steps and done this work and followed the directions, because then, um, uh, they'll be able to help guide you through this. And um, uh, they talk about how uh, you don't waste any time. You uh, find the person and um, you pocket your pride and go to it. And I think that's the other reason why it, it has to be admitted to someone else. You have to pocket your pride because you're destroying your pride. Your self-centeredness is related to your excessive pride. And then you're, you're, you're trying to protect yourself because 
uh, at least for myself, I had low self-esteem. I don't know why. And I had excessive pride. I was always watching to see how people reacted to me or treated me or whether they liked me or didn't like me and, you know, all that other alcoholic nonsense. And so you pocket your pride. Uh, and it says, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. You don't have to do it perfectly because as you go on uh, living, you're going to see... Uh, you're going to see more twists of character, and you're going to see more dark crannies of the past. But you want to get enough out there that, especially the stuff that 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 um, has caused you to be disturbed, your your, your the, the resentments that uh, uh, you've been carrying around, the fears, and the shame and guilt that you've been you have, and here's where you start getting the. Uh, the spiritual awakening as the result of this procedure. So once having taken the step withholding nothing, we're delighted I can look the world in the eye. That's a great promise. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. What a what a great promise. I can look the world in the eye. Think about that. Think about what is required. You have to be, have forgiven. You have to be free of your resentments. You have to see that where your fear is from relying on yourself. And then if you're relying on God, you don't have to have any fear. And then you can see how you harm people and you, you, you're willing to make amends to them. And you, and, and you can walk the world in the eye. And it says you can be alone at perfect peace and ease. That's what I meant when I said I was always uneasy. I was never at perfect peace and ease. I can't, you know, there were times, and you know, you would feel really good. I would, I would have a good day at work. I'd work all night as an intern and come home and feel like I did a good job, and, and I'd be at ease. But it doesn't. It didn't last because I'm still living in a self-centered world and when you have perfect peace and ease is when you're with God and you're in the now and you're living in the world that God created and the spiritual awakening is really living in the world of the spirit it's being awakened to the spirit or God if you're Christian it's being awakened to the Holy Spirit and allowing that power that's within you to direct you and guide you and correct you and discipline you. It says, my fears fall from me. I don't know about you, but that's a great gift. I don't have too much fear anymore. I see things that uh, cause me unease, but I say, well, you know, that that's okay. They're just situations. It's just something happening. It doesn't really affect me right now. It's, 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 and I don't go into the future with it. I just say right now, it's okay, God. I'm with you. Let's just go in and have a good day. And it says we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. That's the conscious contact with God. Remember, our only problem is conscious separation from God. 
and the solution is conscious contact with God. That's what Chuck C. said in that famous New Pair of Glasses talk. And we have one problem, one solution. So conscious contact with God is the deal. And I want to stay in conscious contact with God. Awareness of God. I'm conscious. I'm awake to it. And I consciously separated from God. I was the one that created my self-centered world, not God. And now I begin to fear the nearness of my creator. Why? Because I've asked him to remove my anger, and he's done it. I've asked him to remove my fears, and he's done it. I've looked at my relationships and sex relationships and others, and I, he's changed the way I see myself and see others and how I want to behave. And it says, uh, now we begin to have a spiritual experience. It says, you may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but you're now having a spiritual experience, the beginning. You're experiencing God. And why didn't, why, why is that so unique for an alcoholic or so special for us? Because it says that we were agnostics, those without knowledge of God. We may have believed in God and prayed to God, but we never allowed God to work in our lives and really direct us. And we had, we had no knowledge and trust in God and true faith. And now, through the uh, actions of steps four and five, we're starting to have an experience with the Spirit. And we can see how he can work in our lives. And we're beginning to learn to trust him and go to him when we're irritable, restless, and discontented. Go to him when we have fear, we have anger, or we, or we react in the wrong way, and not go to alcohol or drugs or some other way of relieving that. That when my emotions are out of sorts, it's because I'm back in self, and I need to get and experience the spirit. And to do that, I have to use the tools that I've just learned in step four to do that. And it says, we feel we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. What could be better than that? The broad highway. The, the reason why I like the term broad highway, and it's a capital B and capital H. And you can ask yourself why, why you're, what that means. Well, it means it's the, the path to God walking hand in hand. It's not narrow and it's not limited by rules. It's broad, it's open to all who seek. Walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. And there's that uh, footprints, I know I'm gonna get it wrong, but the footprints uh, thing where the, the man's uh, walking and then he, uh, he's walking with God and there are two sets of footprints and then there's only one set, set of footprints. And he said, how come there's only one set of footprints? And God said, that's when I was carrying you. I think that's pretty close, but it was really powerful. I remember seeing that on the wall when I was in treatment. And then it says, uh, returning home, you thank God from the bottom of your heart that we know him better. You're not thanking God for things that he's giving you. You're thanking God that you're getting to know him better. And how do you get to know God better? By um, uh, 
trusting him, praying, uh, saying the prayers that you've learned in uh, step four, and by uh, seeing God's character versus your character. And remember, uh, one of the things, uh, the reason to study this big book is to get to know God better. And uh, the first 164 pages. And people study uh, the big, big book because that's the word of God. And God says, if you want to know me, you, you, you will learn by studying my word. And I believe in some ways this is a spiritual book given by God. And by studying this book, I'm, I'm learning the principles on how God wants me to live. And they're different than the principles that I thought I need to practice to live. And it says, um, you're, uh, you look at the first five steps and you're building an arch to which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far, the stones properly in place? Have we skipped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? Now this is really, uh, a lot of this is taken from scripture. Uh, are you building your, your house on rock? Are you building it on sand? Will it stand through uh, things? And what are you, what are you building? What, what, what are we building in AA? We're building an arch through which I walk free. And the first five steps are where you're, you're building the, some of the, the arch. The foundation is willingness, which is step one. And willingness is when you see your brokenness, you can see the truth about yourself that I'll never be able to manage my life, I'll never be able to have power over alcohol, and then I need God. And, you, and pain drives that. And the cornerstone of the arch is the belief that there is a power that can, that can manage my life and remove my obsession. And the third step is the keystone to the arch, which is the decision not to play God anymore let God be God and he's my father and I'm his son he's the principal I'm his agent I work for him he's my employer and that arch it, we're going to complete in the next uh, 13 pages and then we'll walk through it a free man and really you get to the you get you, you build the arch with one through nine and then steps 10 and 11 is how you keep on the other side of the arch. And if you don't keep the work, the action, you, you move backwards. And so it's very important to move forward because the ego is always working to bring me back, to take me away from God. And 10 and 11 is where it's a daily, a daily, uh, a daily process. And you really can't take a day off. You can, but you're, you'll see, you're, you start getting a little agitated, irritable, everything bothers you. Things aren't going well, you're disturbed a lot. Then you take two days off. How many days off can you take and stay sober? That's a question that I don't want to look at. I don't think I go a day without praying and inventorying and meditating, and I don't think I go a day without talking to someone from AA. 
it's not really about going to meetings. It's about uh, your relationship with God and your relationship with others and how you're having someone look at your thinking and someone uh, besides yourself uh, helping you when you get disturbed to see the truth of things. That's why you need to find someone that you're close to. You can call them spots or whatever you want, it doesn't matter. But someone that you talk to on a regular basis and you just tell them what's going on in your life and, and, and be sure to ask them what's going on in theirs. And that's, that's working with others and then that's practicing the principles in all your affairs. And you don't want to skip on the cement put into the foundation. And I hadn't seen that before because the foundation is the first step. And I think a lot of people that I work with who, they'll do a four step, you know, best they can, but then after that they kind of flounder and then they, they, they stop coming to meetings and you don't see them again. A lot of them are, are quote, out there drinking, using. But I realized that they, they didn't really take the first step. They didn't fully concede to themselves that they're an alcoholic or addict. They didn't fully concede that their life is unmanageable by themselves. They didn't fully concede that they're powerless over alcohol or drugs or whatever. They couldn't, they couldn't really see their brokenness, or if they did, it didn't last very long. And so um, that's uh, step five, and you see how doing the first five steps, you, you, you really establish a relationship with your creator that you didn't have when you came in the door. And you've done a lot of work, but you've only done five steps. And you want to get into the world of the spirit. So if you stop after, on page 75, you're, 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 uh, you're, things are not going to go well. You have to, you have to move forward. And uh, step six in the big book is one paragraph, and step seven is one paragraph, and they're, they're two of the most important steps, the steps that change you. For those new to these podcasts, if you go to the site experiencethebigbook.org, if you're listening on and on a podcast site, and you go to episodes, and you, you push the tag, drop the rock, you'll see that I've, I've spent uh, several podcasts on that book, which is uh, how we practice six and seven. And six and seven are the steps that change us. They're the steps that it said separate the men from the boys. And it's what am I going to practice each day? Am I going to practice God's character or my character? And the reason I think there are only two paragraphs in this in the big book is because they, they didn't, they, they realized, the people wrote this book, that that was the essence. And they used to carry these little cards. And on, they'd have uh, the left-hand side, they would write, character defects and then on the other side they'd write God's character and they'd, they'd, they'd check off or write down whatever character defects came into play that day and then they'd write when they did the opposite and they would share this so this was like uh, uh, almost automatic I don't want to keep practicing anger I've just learned how futile it is I don't want to keep practicing fear 
I don't want to be impatient and intolerant and considerate, judgmental. I want to be the opposite. I want to see these things and face and be rid of them when they appear. Why? Because they, it's destroying my life. I can't have a life of peace and serenity if I'm practicing them. And if I'm disturbed at all, today, one of those character defects is coming back and self-will is coming back and I have to get back to God's will and I have to not practice that character defect. Drew and Charlie made the point, and it's in, in Drop the Rock, that you can't keep practicing your character defects and expect God to remove them. It's not going to happen. But I can recognize them and stop and say, God, I don't want to practice this. Help me practice the opposite. Just saying that, God will replace the character defect. He'll bring in the other. And, and they talk about that there's, there's really no void. Once I get rid of anger, love comes in. I can't bring love in the situation and not get something good out of it. If I bring anger into a situation, I can't get any good out of it, usually. It's not absolute. But that's, that's what they're talking about. And so they saw that. So it says, if you can answer all those questions on page 75 that we just read about the foundation and the cement and the sand, and then we look at step six, and it's emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Well, why is willingness indispensable? If you're not willing, it, nothing's going to happen. And what makes you willing? You want to change. You want to change. You want to be a different person. You want to have a different life. You want to react differently. You don't want to drink anymore. And you don't want to forget how bad it was the, the day before you came in. I never want to forget how bad it was. And, and, and how can I be, have any kind of fear today or any kind of worry when I look back and look what's happened since that day and how I'm living today. Not that I'm rich or famous or anything like that, but I have, I have a life. I'm not living in f constant fear and anger and I'm not fighting the obsession to use or drink. And I'm at peace. I've been at peace today. We're having our little granddaughters coming over soon and to spend the weekend. And I, I just, uh, what a gift. And it says willingness is indispensable. And, and, and I think it has to be, you have to be 100% willing. And you have to watch yourself for when you're not 100% willing. Because if you're spiritually awake, you're 100% willing. And if you start getting spiritually asleep, you're getting back in the self. And then you get less willing. And it says, am I now ready to let God remove from me all the things which I have admitted are objectionable? All the things. Can he have, can he now take them all and every one? Of course he can. But I have to be willing to give him everything. Now whatever I hold back and I'm not willing to give him, that's going to cause me uh, pain. It'll cause me to be disturbed because I'll feel guilty when I practice my character defects now. One of the problems of working the steps is where before you thought you were right 
and you could act a certain way and this and that, and they were always the cause. Now you see it's you. You can't blame other people. And so I don't like to be see myself where I'm acting or reacting in a way uh, that's, that's back in self. I, I don't like that. So I, I don't want to practice those defects. But when I do, it says on you know, page 87 at night, I ask God's forgiveness. You know, I'm not perfect, but I want to know what corrective measures I should use. Then you go to sleep, you wake up. And God can take all my character defects. And it says, if you still cling to something you will not let go, you ask God to help us be willing. So you're, you're, you're spiritually awake at this point because you're, you're, you're going to God and you're ready to let God remove all these defects because I can't remove them. And guess what? They're still there and they're just waiting to be activated. How are they activated? I get back in south. And so they're never going to go away. I'm going to go back into self, and I just have to go back from self to God all the time. I showed uh, the minister our spiritual checklist. He loved it. He, he's pretty smart because he looked at it. He said, oh, I go from the left to right and right to left all day long. I said, welcome. Welcome to AA. And uh, it's true. I mean, that's what we do. And so I don't want to be on the left-hand side. And, I'm, and I understand that moral and philosophical convictions core are not going to fix this. Only God, only God can, can do this. And I have to be willing to let him do it and ask him to remove them. And just the, the fact that I pause or I, I say, I don't want to be disturbed, God help me. Just the, the changes starts to change in you. you you're, and you, you want to be, you want that all the time. And that's what a spiritual awakening is. And it, it's, it's, it's constant action. Because you can get spiritually asleep pretty quick. But you want to recognize when you're spiritually asleep. And say, I need to be spiritually awake right now. I need God. I need to change this. I, I'm the problem. I'm disturbed. Remember, if I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with me. Now, I've had people write me comments and try to say how this isn't really a spiritual axiom and all, but they're missing the point. When I'm disturbed because I'm in self-centeredness, the problem is me. It's not them. It's me, and it's not what's happening. It's because I'm back in self. And so I recognize that. And only God can relieve me of that. And in the third step, we say, God, relieve me from the bondage itself. It doesn't say, Michael, work on this and analyze it and get real smart about it so you, can, you won't be in bondage. No. It's God remove my bondage of self to me. And he's the only person that can do it. And when you realize that, then you want to do that all day long whenever you see that you're in bondage to self. And that's why it says if you cling to something, you got ask God to help us be willing. And the, you're going to inventory every day if you follow the directions in the book. And at night, you're going to, during the day, you're going to look and see uh, what am I not willing to let go of right now? 
what's happening. And then at night, you're going to say, where was I resentful, dishonest, selfish, or afraid? And then you're going to look at it. So it's constant. The six and seven is not a one-time step. It's constant. It's a way of life. And that book, Drop the Rock, is really very good. And I've done a whole, whole series of talks on that. Also, in the steps we took on steps six and seven, I've done several on that. But the book by Joe McHugh, where he looks at this using the uh, going through uh, how it's the steps that changes, that's excellent information. And those are all on the site. And it says when you're ready, when you're ready to have and willing to have God remove all your defects, then you say my something like this doesn't have to be this prayer. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. All of me. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Now, a lot of people make something out of the amen here on page 76 because on the third step prayer on page 63, there's no amen. And the idea being, and it makes sense that from 63 to 76, you're with God. The whole fourth and fifth step is really a prayer. And it's seeking God. And that uh, then they have the amen here. I don't know if that's why they did it or not, but it's something to think about. So am I willing to have give, give myself completely to my creator and remove every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows? Now, I heard someone at a meeting say, well, if he didn't remove this defect today, then it must not stand in the way of my usefulness to God and my fellows. Well, I think that's a little bit of alcoholic rationalization because all my character defects stand in the way of my usefulness to God and my fellows. And look at the spiritual checklist. Is there anything on that checklist on the left-hand side that's really uh, not going to stand in the way of my being usefulness to God and my fellows? And, and, and it says, grant me strength, it's just a prayer, as I go out from here, which is where is here, it's you, where you are with you and God right at that moment, to do your bidding. So give me the strength to do your bidding. Does that sound like, um, give me knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry that out, which is uh, step 11. And so that says we continued in step 11, and you're beginning that now. Um, and you've, you've done that up to this point in steps three, four, five. And now you're doing it in six and seven. And so this prayer is one you, you could say every day. And then w if you're disturbed at all during the day, well, uh, what am I not willing to give to God? What am I holding on to? Now, if you have a resentment and you're angry at somebody, and they did such and such and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you're not ready to get, get rid of your character defect, which is your, your anger, your judgment, your impatience, your intolerance, your inconsideration. And you think you're right and they're wrong. And 
that doesn't work anymore for alcoholics. I don't want to be right. I want to be wrong. I want to be seeing them wrong. They're just children of God. They're just spiritually ill like me. Let it go, Michael. And so you're going to have to practice this now in the beginning. You're not going to be good at this. That's why you, have to, you should have somebody you talk to every day. And did anything bother you today? And I have people carry a little card. Very few of them do it. And they write down the names or anything that bothers them. And it's the little stuff. They say, well, nothing really bothered me. But it's the little stuff that's important because remember, alcoholics pole vault over mouse turds. And we make the, these little things and they build up. And we have to look and see how to deal with them uh, at the moment. And so I've gotten better through the years at doing that. And my life has gotten better. And so it says once you've completed that, and that those steps are the essence of how you stay spiritually awake. You're on the left-hand side, you're spiritually asleep. You're on the right-hand side, you're spiritually awake. And you're practicing God's character. That's the whole point of it. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you're then able to practice the principles in all your affairs. And practice them. It says practice the principles in all your affairs, which means do it. And six and seven is where I'm practicing the, the principles of God's character in all my affairs. And if I practice God's character in all my affairs, I will tell you, my life's going to be pretty good. It doesn't mean you'll get things. It means you'll have peace and serenity. So um, I'm going to stop there, and then I'm going to pick up on the next one with uh, uh, 8, 9, and 10, and 11. And, and uh, I hope this was helpful. Everybody have a a very peaceful day. God bless.